Welcome to the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates Inside Science series on radio and podcast. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and as part of our Inside Science interview series with Smithsonian Associates, our guest today is author and scientist Dr. David Schiffman. David Schiffman will be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates program coming up, and you can check out more details in our show notes today. Let's listen as David Schiffman reads a passage from his new book, Why Sharks Matter, a deep dive with the world's most misunderstood predator. My name is David, and I'm a marine conservation biologist who studies sharks and how to protect them. You may know me from social media, where I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Why Sharks Matter, where I'm always happy to answer anyone's questions about sharks. This, this seems only fair, since I'm one of the lucky few who gets to live my childhood dream every single day. I've been captivated by sharks as long as my family can remember, and I've known for essentially my whole life that I wanted to be a marine biologist who studies them when I grow up. While most kids go through either a shark thing or a dinosaur thing, I went through both phases, and in the end, I chose sharks. My parents have always supported this crazy ambition of mine, but I suspect that they believed what I, that I would grow out of it eventually. Clearly, I never did. You might guess that an ocean lover like me grew up right on the beach, but I was raised outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and my childhood home was 368 miles from the nearest ocean. So how does someone who grows up landlocked become obsessed with the sea? Well, I read every book that I could get my hands on, I watched every documentary that I could find, and we were members at the Pittsburgh Zoo growing up, and I loved visiting the shark tank at what's now their PPG Aquarium Complex. That, of course, is our guest today, Dr. David Schiffman, reading from his new book, Why Sharks Matter, a deep dive with the world's most misunderstood predator. Sharks do matter. And they are some of the most fascinating, ecologically important, threatened, and misunderstood animals on Earth. More often feared than revered, their role as predators of the deep have earned them a reputation as a major threat to humans. But, says our guest today, marine conservation biologist Dr. David Schiffman, the truth is that sharks are not a danger to us. They're in danger from us. David Schiffman tells us today why it's crucial that we overcome our misconceptions and rise above cinematic Hollywood scenes designed to scare us and to embrace sharks as the imperiled and elegant ocean guardians they really are. Sharing David Schiffman's own fascinating experience working with sharks, David Schiffman will explain why healthy shark populations are essential for supporting ocean ecosystems and the coastal economies that depend on them, touching on everything from Shark Week to shark fin soup, overfishing to marine sanctuaries. Dr. David Schiffman reveals why these iconic predators are in trouble, why we should care, and how scientists, conservationists, and individuals can save them. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates Inside Science Series on radio and podcast, Smithsonian Associate. Dr. David Schiffman. Dr. David Schiffman, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. It is good to talk to you. I, uh, I'm excited about this subject. We're going to talk about your new book, Why Sharks Matter, a deep dive. I love that. A deep dive with the world's most misunderstood predator. You're going to be talking 
about that with us today. You're also going to be talking about that subject at your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation. I wonder if yes. you would – Yeah, and so I think – let's start there. Let Maybe tip us off. Tell us a little bit about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation, in particular – how you'll be using Zoom to engage us. We're all on Zoom these yes. days, and I think our audience is going to be excited by this. So I will be speaking through Smithsonian's, Smithsonian Associates, talking about sort of fun facts and lessons learned from a life studying these amazing and misunderstood animals, tying in some themes and concepts from the book, but also just talking about me and the, the incredible life I've been fortunate to get to lead uh, and answering any questions that anyone has. That's one of my favorite things to get to do as a scientist when I when I talk with the public is answer people's questions. I do an Ask Me Anything on social media every week. Uh, I speak in schools and things like that, and it's it's my it's my favorite thing. So I hope I hope uh, you come and uh, virtually attend the Smithsonian Associates talk and bring your questions. Anything that you want to know about sharks, marine biology, ocean conservation, or anything like that, I'm happy to answer. I think that's going to be great. The The book is wonderful, To Why Sharks Matter. Thank you. Yeah, you just have this wonderful sense of humor that comes through. I think sharks uh, are misunderstood, as you as you point out. They're just fascinating, and they're, they're also ecologically important. Plus, they're cool. <laughs> why, yeah. Why are sharks cool? Sharks are incredibly cool, and that's what first attracted to me me to them as a child. They're, they have so many amazing abilities and so much biodiversity. Sharks have a whole sense that we don't have. They can see, they can hear, they can taste, they can touch, they can smell, in some cases much better than we can. But they also have a whole other sensory modality that we don't have. They can sense electromagnetic fields. And that means that if there is a prey animal hiding under the sand or the mud where you can't see it or hear it or smell it, Sharks still know it's there because they can sense the electricity given off by its beating heart, which I think is just amazing. That is amazing. I, I, I definitely think that that qualifies as very cool. But but sharks are in trouble too. There's yes. – um, yeah, and you talk about that at great length. So maybe tell us how much trouble are sharks in? Sharks are in very big trouble. Uh, sharks and their relatives, the other fish that have a cartilage-based skeleton, which are the skates, the rays, and the chimeras – one-third of all known species are considered threatened with extinction, according to the IUCN Red List, which is an international group of scientific experts on the conservation status of different species. That's really bad. Very few other species of animals face such serious conservation challenges. And the number one threat by far is us. We are killing too many sharks through unsustainable fishing practices. Uh, both intentionally and uh, accidentally. So to intentionally supply markets for shark meat and shark fins, and also accidentally through what's called bycatch. That's that's when you're trying to catch tuna and you accidentally catch sea turtles and sharks that were near the tuna. This is what the dolphin safe tuna thing in the 1990s was about, was about bycatch. Hmm. Uh, so sharks face very, very serious conservation challenges, and they are because of us. Yes, this... This whole intentional thing, especially with respect to shark finning, which you you talk about uh, at length in in the book, why sharks matter. It's a complex issue. We're we're very much at the heart of it as as humans. But I wonder if you tell us a little bit about shark sure. finning. I'm not sure all of our audience are going to understand that and and why we need to 
ban it too, I think is really a, a, a good point to make. So shark finning is a widely misunderstood concept among people who are sort of peripherally involved in wanting to protect the ocean, among members of the public who love the ocean and want to help but don't necessarily know how. There's a lot of confusion about this. So shark finning is a fishing practice in which fishermen catch a, catch a shark, cut its fins off at sea, and dump the body overboard at sea. If the animal is still alive, it will bleed to death or drown over the course of an hour or so. Um, and this is done because per pound, shark fins are more valuable than shark meat. There are substantial and growing markets for shark meat, but per pound, fins are more valuable. So if you have a small cargo hold, you want to fill it with the most valuable stuff. This is understandably uh, gets a lot of people very upset. It's wildly inhumane. It's unsustainable. And it may, it's very hard for fisheries managers to know exactly what was caught if what you get is a pile of unattached fins rather than landing actual sharks. The good news is it doesn't happen as much anymore. Uh, it's been banned in the United States for decades. It's been banned in Europe for a while. Uh, and it's banned by most of the what are called regional fisheries management organizations that deal with high seas fisheries. And there's a lot of, of uh, concerned activists, especially on social media, who use this term incorrectly all the time in ways that are not helpful. That they use shark finning as a synonym for killing any shark for any reason using any fishing method. And it absolutely does not mean that. Trying to There are lots of calls to ban it applied to situations that are not shark finning, which means banning shark finning would not stop that. A thing that drives me absolutely insane is three or four times a year, there's someone makes a petition on a change.org, which is a website associated with Facebook that lets anyone make their own petitions about anything uh, to ban shark finning in Florida. And these get tens of thousands of signatures. People clearly care about this and want to help. But we banned shark finning in Florida in 1993. So this is a petition that cannot possibly do anything other than confuse people and waste everybody's time. Yeah, it's a shame that it is just kind of misunderstood like this and and misused too. Yes. That there there are some better uses of our time and uh, and I th I think you know for my audience, what what do you suggest we do to better use our time around this subject yes. to kind of drive us to action around protecting sharks. So the single most effective thing that an individual consumer can do to help the ocean as a whole, including sharks but not limited to sharks, is don't eat unsustainable seafood. I did not say don't eat seafood. There are lots of seafoods that are caught in an environmentally friendly way so you can still enjoy it. Seafood's healthy. It's delicious. It can be very culturally important. I'm not saying we have to give up seafood, but there are some fishing practices that are especially harmful to the environment, to sharks, to sea turtles, to dolphins, to coral reefs, to lots of things that we know and love. And not supporting those makes a huge difference. Hi, it's Paul. Do you love entertaining, informative, eclectic, insightful programs about culture, health, science, life, and everything Smithsonian? As part of our Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast, we're introducing you to the new Smithsonian Associates streaming series. Smithsonian, a nonprofit organization, is excited to present this new aspect of their 55 years as the world's largest museum-based educational program. Join us from the comfort of your home as we periodically interview Smithsonian Associate guest speakers. Our audience here on radio and podcast can explore our website for more information, links, and details at notold-better.com. Thanks, everybody. 
We are with Dr. David Schiffman. Dr. Schiffman will be presenting at Smithsonian Associates coming up. We'll put links in our show notes so that our audience can find out more about Dr. Schiffman and in particular his new book, Why Sharks Matter, a deep dive with the world's most misunderstood predator. The book is wonderful. I've really enjoyed it, Dr. Schiffman. And, you know, for me, I I love actually having a book in my hands because I uh, and I, and I actually have it in my hands right now as we're speaking. And the photos, awesome. yeah, the, the photos are amazing. There's there's lots of great pictures there of, of sharks. One of my favorites is the scalloped hammerhead shark, and and I, I I've seen them before in aquariums. The picture that you have in the book is just really it is cool Aren't looking they crazy? too. They are crazy. They're so unusual looking. I wonder what's your favorite picture and maybe tell us a little bit about the scalloped hammerhead just because i love it so much (laughs) yeah so hammerhead sharks are awesome animals Uh, i worked with a related species a lot during my phd and now is some of my some of my research going on now the great hammerhead shark and uh i i just absolutely love them that unfortunately they're critically endangered both great and scalloped hammerheads because they just go crazy when they're hooked and they, some species of sharks, when they are when they're caught by fishing gear, they might still be alive by the time the fisherman gets to them to release them. But hammerheads just go buck wild, and that's why recreational sport fishermen love to catch them because of their fight. Uh, but that results in their deaths, and the the this leads to them being a critically endangered species. But the their hammer, uh, the, what's called the cephalofoil, uh, is the fancy science word for that head shape. They use it for two things. One, it is for that extra surface area for that electrosense I was talking about earlier. You often see hammerheads sweeping their head back and forth across the sandy bottom, uh, much like you might see someone at the beach with a metal detector looking for prey using only its electric field. And they also use it to pin prey animals, to the, like stingrays or flounder flat animals, to the seafloor where they can munch on them. And there's, a, there's a, a great hammerhead shark skull on display at a museum in Europe that has like 60 or 70 stingray spines through its face because it just did this for years and sometimes the stingrays stabbed it and it was fine. So I, I, I do love the hammerheads. Um, the work that I'm working on with them now uh, is, is the work that I'm working on with great hammerheads now is we discovered uh, a, what's called a nursery area, which is critical habitat for younger animals of a species, for great hammerhead sharks. And it's the only one on the east coast of the United States that's ever been found. And it is within sight of downtown Miami, Florida. So it's a really heavily used by humans waterway. And it, it and these critically endangered animals are thriving there. So we need to we need to understand it better and learn how to protect it and make sure that it survived this long. How can we make it survive into the future? And you refer to your uh, some of your your PhD work and and I in my research of you I found your master's thesis and a reference to sandbar sharks. Yes, you love those guys too, and those love are, my sandbars. Those are the follow, for those of you who are on social media. Follow hashtag best shark, all one word, <laughs> uh, to learn all about sandbar sharks and how much I love them. But yeah, love yeah. Them. What is it about them? Uh, they, because they they're they're kind of a quiet. You, I I am a scuba diver too, certified, and and I've seen sandbar sharks. I've never seen a hammerhead, but yeah. you do see sandbar sharks some. Yes. 
So I'll t- so if you if I ask you to picture a shark in your head, close your eyes and picture a shark. If it's not a great white, the odds are it looks pretty similar to a sandbar shark. They're sort of the base model, the classic model of sharks. Uh, they're a member of the Carcharhiniform, the the ground shark family. That many species of sharks look an awful lot like them, and despite just not having fancy heads or fancy tails or fancy stripes or whatever, they've contributed a lot to our understanding of the ocean that because they are commonly found in coasts all over the world, at, which means scientists study them. And we've learned a lot about the ocean from studying sandbar sharks. They also are very common aquarium animals. They do really well in captivity. And that means for millions of kids around the world, a sandbar shark might be the first Thing they ever see in the, or the first shark they ever see in their whole life and as i know from my own life that can lead to a lifelong love of learning and wanting to protect mm-hmm. the ocean definitely you know I, sharks get an awful lot of attention um they're they're cool and um there's shark nato there's shark yes. week there's all of this uh uh, you know, social media around around sharks that that we participate in, but there uh, there's a lot of back and forth about the subject of conservation yes. and understanding it properly. And we talked for a, for a minute or two about about our role as humans, but even within the scientific community, there's uh, a bit of debate on the subject of conservation. Maybe help us understand why. There's debate about how to properly conserve sharks and and these fishes within hammerheads and sandbar. What what is the debate all about? Yeah. So what the debate about how to most effectively protect these animals comes down to is that there are a lot of different things we can do, and they're unfortunately mutually exclusive. That means we can't do both. We have to pick one, and whenever that's the case, you get factions and you get sides and you get discussion. Uh, But basically, the problem that I mentioned earlier is unsustainable overfishing. So the debate is, do we make the fishing more sustainable and still allow there to be shark fisheries that provide food to the marketplace and provide jobs for fishermen and the seafood industry? Or do we say, nope, we're banning all shark fishing, we're banning all trade in shark products. And you can understand why you can't have both a well-managed fishery and no fishing allowed at all, at least not in the same place and time. So it leads to sometimes quite heated um, discussions between them. Well, Dr. Schiffman, we really appreciate all your time. Uh, thanks for joining us today. I wonder if you tell our audience something that is, um, in, in your opinion, positive about sharks and leave us with something upbeat and uh, give us perhaps a, a reason to um, be uh, uh, a little bit uh, on the optimistic side with regard to our con- sure. conservation of sharks. I'll tell you some good news, and then I'll close with my favorite wholesome shark story. Uh, so I am optimistic about the future of the ocean and the future of sharks because more people care about this than ever before. Uh, there are promises being made by politicians, and you know everyone knows how much those are worth, especially those of us in the D.C. area, but the Promises are getting more and more specific and more and more bold, and that's exciting to me. More and more people care. More and more people ask me how they can help. 
Um, I'm going. I'm in the midst of a book tour all around the United States and Canada and the UK. Uh, and everywhere I go, I encounter people that want to know more and how and want to know how they can help. And that alone makes me very optimistic for the future. But but to be sure, these animals face very very real real challenges, and they really need our help. Um, and I hope that folks check out the book and check out my Smithsonian Associates talk to learn more about what specifically the problems are and what specifically the solutions are. Uh, I'll close with my my favorite wholesome shark story that uh, I, is mentioned in the book, that there is a species of shark that's called the ninja lantern shark. And it's called that, it's called a lantern shark because there's a whole family of sharks that are lantern sharks that glow in the dark, deep sea species that live uh, so deep that sunlight never reaches them. So they make their own light. So they're glow in the dark sharks. Uh, and I always wondered why, you know, there are all these stickers that you can put on kids' walls that are glow-in-the-dark stars and unicorns and all that, but there's no there's no lantern shark stickers for kids yet. But this one's called the Ninja Lantern Shark because my colleague who discovered it discovered it right before she was going home uh, to her family, to a big family gathering, and she was talking with her family about this. I discovered this shark. I get to name it whatever I want. What do you guys think I should name it? And one of her young cousins says, ninjas are cool. You should call it the Ninja Shark. <laughs> So she did. <laughs> That's great. Good. Well, we're going to put uh, links to where our audience can find out more about ninja lantern sharks as well as Dr. Yes. David Schiffman, our guest today. Thanks for joining us today, stopping by, and because uh, I know you're busy with this tour. And uh, again, I will mention the book. I've got it right here in my hands, Why Sharks Matter, A Deep Dive with the World's Most Misunderstood Predator. David Schiffman's been our guest David Schiffman will be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates coming up. Look in the show notes for links. But David Schiffman, thank you for your time. Good luck with all this. Congratulations on the book. We're right there thank with you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. My thanks to author and scientist Dr. David Schiffman for his generous time today. Dr. David Schiffman will be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates, and you can check out more details in our show notes today. I thank you my wonderful audience here on the Not Old Better Show. Please be well, be safe, and let's eliminate assault rifles. Assault rifles are unnecessary in our hands, and they instill fear in our children and grandchildren in the very place they learn, school. Please, let's do this. Let's eliminate them. And please, let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast here with the Smithsonian Associates Inside Science series. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Today's show is dedicated to the late Dr. Barry Sinervo, my favorite scientist.